everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and this is Debbie coming to you from sunny South Florida, and today it is sunny, but we've had some rain, and my flowers are happy. And my special guest today is coming to us from hot, hot, hot California. <laughs> I have Renee Rice here today. Renee, welcome, and thank you for coming, being here so early your time. I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much, Debbie. It is a wee bit early here in uh, Southern California, but you know what? I always say when you show up to life, life shows up for you. There so you go. I am. I'm excited you're here. And, and uh, folks that are going to be listening, Renee and I are one of those friends that have not met in person, but we had a long chat yesterday and it was like sisters by other misters. One Absolutely. Of those, one of those Everything, cool connections. Yeah. A huge connection it's kinship it was it was right there it was and we're gonna jump right in because i told renee yesterday the hour flies by so thank you and let's get going what i like to do and i mentioned this to you yesterday is go back in time i want you to go back to when you were a kid tell us a little bit about your family where you grew up siblings hobbies who is renee well Renee is dot 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 right you know like, <laughs> like uh, a a gal who really enjoys life. I grew up in New Jersey with uh, two brothers. I have an older brother and a twin brother who is about um let's see he's three minutes older and he's quite a bit taller. But we are we are twins and he's in Denver and in, in Colorado and I am in Southern California. My other brother's in California as well. So happy to have them. And I'm uh yeah, growing up in New Jersey, it was it was nice to have a brother that was the same age because especially when we moved later on to have somebody, you know, you're kind of like a felt like a ship out of water, you know. It, it was just trying to find myself again. Uh, because I'd grown up in New Jersey for 16 and a half years and then moved to Southern California where my dad got transferred. So it was nice to have somebody my age. She was in the same situation as I was. Like, where do we go? It was the senior year. It's a tough time to move. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was really nice to have them there. And we've, you know, we've always been close. So that's, that's always a nice thing. Were you a sports girl or a reader or music? What, what did you like there? Always loved music. As far as sports, that's a great question because I have two brothers and growing up, so it's 
me, my two brothers and my dad, and of course my mom, but having more of the like the, the boys there, especially as siblings, I was, I would say more of a tomboy than the feminine side. They were, you know, with basketball during basketball. I'm out there, we had a basketball, um, you know, the hoop, and I was out there shooting the hoops with them. And then we played something called wiffle ball. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I played that. In the cul-de-sac, then I played baseball. Then I, I got, I had my mitt. I was throwing balls. I was batter. You know, I was there. I was doing all those things. Uh, definitely more in that. Yes, I played jacks and I did the girly thing too and jump rope. Uh, but I definitely had more of the um, the tomboyish in me than I think growing up with the two brothers. I think it would have been much different had I had two sisters or more of the, the girls in there. But um, it was nice and it was fun and got me outside playing sports. Oh, football, played football too in the backyard. You know, we had a half acre land. So the kids would come up to our our house and um, play all the, the different sports. So I was right there. My dad, he always picked me for his team in football. And, you know, <laughs> I'd go far out and try to catch it. It was nice. It was fun. So that was my my youth growing up in New Jersey. That sounds a lot like mine. I had three brothers and uh, ah. very popular as you get older because you've got handsome brothers and uh, the girls want to get to know you. But I spent, it was interesting. I spent more time around the boys and my brother's friends uh, had a couple of really good girlfriends, but always had the guys around us. So it's great. And they're fun. They're fun. But I, and it sounds like you had a really special relationship with your dad too. Yeah. He, he's a good guy. He's um, watching over me from heaven right now. So yeah. I'm that he's still with me in, in another way. Absolutely. Well, there's something special between a daughter and her dad. And, and at least in, in my family, and, and we talked about this yesterday, my dad will be 93 on the 15th. And uh, what a what a hoot. I did go see him yesterday for the, his 67th wedding anniversary. Ah. And he wrote the most heartfelt darling card to my mom. And although she wasn't feeling well, she, it really choked her up. And he goes, how could I love you all these years? I'm asking the question. And he just laughed when he said that because it, they're a darling couple. And I and I, I look at them and I wish all marriages could be like my parents. because That is wonderful. Pretty that fabulous. Blessing and a gift. And for you to be able to, to witness and to see it. And they set the example and they set the bar quite high too. Yeah, when I mentioned to my husband uh, that mom and dad have been married 67 years and we're together five more for that. So that's what, 72 years. I looked at him and we've, we've only been married seven years. I think he, he I said, you think we can make it? <laughs> he said, I said, between the two of us, we could have 72 years. Uh, but that's a real treasure to be married that long and, and still like each other. So yeah, my parents also, they dated a few years before they married and uh, they were married I think it was like almost 62 years before my dad passed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a treasure. And uh, another thing we have in common, we're just checking them all out. Yes. So Renee, you spent a lot of time in corporate. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your corporate life and how you got into that. How I got into it was, it's interesting. I just was looking for a job. It was out of college and, you know, I, I worked a couple of other jobs after college, just a couple of jobs here and there. And then this other one, I remember my brother saying that um, it was Bullocks at the time. I just stated myself way back in the day. 
and they were doing Christmas hires. And I said, okay, that would be nice to do because I was actually doing my own thing for a while. And um, then I went into that and I got hired for Christmas and I did really well and they wanted me to stay on. And I did. And then of course, years later, Macy's bought them out and I ended up being with the company for 25 years. Wow. So starting as a Christmas, I, you never know. I'm like, oh, I figured I'll just do this for the Christmas season and get some extra income coming in. And, you know, I turned out, I really enjoyed being around different people and, and helping them out in different areas that I was working in while I was there. And I've always been very connected with, you know, easy for me to connect with people. So I did that um, yeah, for 25 years. It was it was February of 2017 when I was released from, from working there. But I had held so many positions in 20, you can imagine 25 years, yeah. a long time. So I worked my way up the corporate ladder there and ended up in management um, for quite some time, for over a decade. But, yeah. your, uh, your tagline and stuff is all about finding your voice with confidence. When you were in corporate, did you feel like you had a voice? Could you speak up? And I knew you led people. You were a manager. Uh, where did you fall in the pecking order as far as your voice and, and confidence in speaking up for yourself there? Another great question. So I always spoke. I always felt like I could speak. But speaking and speaking up are not quite the same because I was also, and I'm not going to say I'm completely recovered from this, but being a people pleaser mm. is something that, you know, because I love making people happy. And certainly in, in, you know, retail, it's about the customer. You want to make them happy. You want to satisfy them. But I am, I really took everything to like, you know, personally and professionally, I really want to make sure others were happy. But that's a, it's important, not but. It's definitely an important factor, especially when you're customer service. Uh, separate from that, on a personal note, and I'm going to stay with what you're saying also, okay. on the personal note of being and making people happy, you've got to make sure you take care of yourself also. As you know, that saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. Well, in corporate America, I was just so wanting to please, not customers is one thing, but in my corporate role and what I was doing, making sure that, you know, everybody in the management position, I was doing, doing everything I was supposed to do and not speaking up when I really felt I, I wanted to speak up even more. And um, in 2013, I ended up losing my voice to a very, very painful illness. And it wasn't laryngitis where, oh, you know, I just take some time off from, because I was talking quite a bit because I was in management and I was taking care of a lot of different areas and it was more than that. It was a virus that actually attacked my vocal cords. But it started off as a feeling like a sore throat or did it's, it feel it worse? It was very fast moving. It, was, it wasn't like it started out like a week before. It was the day before I was working, I think, to one o'clock in the morning. It was a very long um, shift because in your management, it wasn't just, you're not punching the clock, you're salaried. So I was there and I went in, something that I don't recommend I went into work not feeling well. Mm. But that specific day, I was also the only senior manager that was not Christmas, you know, a Christmas time that was scheduled to close. They had since changed it after I came back because you can't just have one person. And if that person falls ill or they need support in closing, you need that other people there. And I had other people there, but it, they were a lot of them were the Christmas times. I was the only one that was tenured. And so um, 
I got very, very sick. I felt like I had a sore in my throat. Mm. And that next day I happened to have the day off. So I went to urgent care and after coming home. I, like at one o'clock in the morning, I was, I had chills. I just felt really, really ill. Because as the day and the evening wore on, I was also wearing down. And when I went to the urgent care the next day, I turned, I felt like there was a sore. And she said, you're right. There's actually a sore in your throat. Because I didn't say I have a sore throat. I said, I feel like there's a sore. And it was right where I said, I said it was in the center. She goes, that's exactly where I see it. And she did like this rapid strap test and checked me for, you know, that. And she said, no, it's not strap. You're just, you know, just sent me back home. And the next day, I literally felt like that, that sore had given birth. So my best friend, who's also in heaven, watching over me, she had taken me back to urgent care because I just felt horrible. As, as bad as I felt that first day, that second day was, you know, just unbearable. So the next day when I went back to urgent care, the, that same doctor was there and she said, you need to get her to the ER right now. I'm like, okay, how many sores are there? You know, I still had this little bit of a voice. And she said, I'm not going to tell you. Oh, dear. Because it was so, <laughs> it, there were so many. She said, you know, she knew I'd probably freak out. And she said, you just need to get her to the urgent care, the emergency, the emergency room right now. And so we stopped at my best friend's house because she was a former Girl Scout. She was like, the ER is never a two-minute visit. <laughs> it's going to be a while. So we got some, she packed up some things that she felt um, I would need and that we would both need while I was there. And uh, we went to the emergency room in there. We were for several hours and it turned out I had a virus that was very contagious. And I remember even with that little voice I still had before it escaped completely, I asked that the ER doctor, am I contagious? Cause I'm like, you know, I don't know what, what the heck is this thing? So you're highly contagious. You can't be with the public. I'm like, oh my God. What the heck? What do I have? Like, you know, it's one thing you're sick, you don't feel well. You know, seven to ten days you stay home, but no, you you can't be with the public. You you're highly contagious. And for the next almost four months, I was quarantined and was not allowed to be with the public at all. At and home or in the hospital? I was in four walls of my own hell in my body that I wish I could have escaped. I'm surprised they didn't keep me in the hospital because I was no longer able to eat or drink. And I was kind of just withering away because there was no nutrients coming into my system. And the reason I couldn't eat or drink was because of what I just said. I had sores all over my vocal cords. Sore throat is one thing. When you have sores actually on your vocal cords that are like, you know, open sores, swallowing your own saliva, that was painful. That was so painful that I would... I would spit it out. I would, it was, that's a little graphic. I'm sure I'm sorry for anybody that's listening at an earlier time in this, but it was very, very painful. So that kept me quarantined for, like I said, for about four months. During that time, I would get uh, calls on my phone, which I could never answer because I couldn't speak. And they were from the doctor saying, from the office saying, you need to go for more blood work. I'm like, what the heck? I was so weak, like, what are they doing? And they were trying to peel back the layers of the onion, figuring what does she have? Mm -hmm. What can we give her to help heal her? And there was nothing. 20 vials of blood later, they didn't say take two and call me in the morning. You know, it wasn't like one of those things. It was a viral infection that attacked my system, specifically 
my vocal cords, the, the instrument, the tool that I utilized to communicate. I no longer had it. Is there a name for it? Because I hadn't ever heard of this before. Viral pharyngitis. Viral pharyngitis. So it attacked primarily your, your vocal cords? Primarily all, yeah. It, but the rest of your body? It was my vocal cords. Okay. The reason my body is because, because of the infection, I had a low-grade fever for that four-month period. And it wasn't going away every day. It was like that same low-grade fever because they were, and they couldn't give me anything. They were just trying to figure out what can we help her with. And it was really the gift of time that I never gave myself, Debbie. Mm. And I know people listening are like, oh, I hear you. Got to do this. Got to do that. Have to do this. Have to do that. Take the kids here. Do this. Do that. You know, I don't have kids, but I could, I mean, anybody that could relate, whether you're corporate, single, you know, whatever that is, wherever you are in a relationship that's not fulfilling, that you're always feeling you have to do something else or you're upset about something. I never addressed myself. It was always the outside people that I know I can't, my best friend just say, slow down. You gotta slow down, Renee, stop. You gotta, no, 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 I have to do this. This is due tomorrow. I've gotta take this care of this. I have to do that. What I needed to do and what I had to do was listen to her and stop. And I didn't listen to my best friend and I didn't stop until a much, even higher power stopped me in my tracks and said, that's it. You're going to end up here before you are fulfilling your duties down there. <laughs> and, uh, and I have work for you to do because you've got a lot of things you need to do before you do your next thing. And uh, I just needed to slow down and stop. And I was forced to, it wasn't a choice. People say, oh, you always have a choice. Yeah. You're told you can no longer be with the public. I was so weak. I couldn't do anything. Like, oh, you can work from home. You could. I literally, I stared out the window like a hospital window. I kept just, I couldn't do anything. I was so weak and in so much pain. There was nothing I physically, mentally, or emotionally could do because it attacked me physically, mentally, and emotionally. When I say attacked, that's, that's the choice that I'm using of the word. It was attacked. It was an attack on my vocal cords. And like I said, this isn't to bring you there, but to show people listening, like now she's talking, now she's got a voice, what is she doing? Yeah, it came back and it wasn't just overnight. It was a year with vocal coaching. I had to see a, a therapist uh, because I had gone to a specialist. The doctors had sent me to a specialist to see if I was gonna have permanent damage. And if I would ever be able to speak again, they thought it could be permanent damage and my vocal cords would have all the scar tissue that would impair me from ever speaking again. And that was extremely scary because I never thought for a minute, even though I couldn't talk and I was in a lot of pain, that it was something that could be permanent until they said, we're sending you off to specialists to see if you have permanent damage. I'm like, I couldn't even say what? I was like, like I just did, it was never a thought. I'm like, I knew I was really sick. I knew I was in a lot of pain. But to never speak again, I, I never even fathomed that that was something that could even, it wasn't even a possibility. It never even was a thought until I heard them say, we're sending you here to see if this is like a permanent situation. Holy cow. Did you ever feel like giving up? Hmm. 
And if so, I mean, it might have been for a minute. What what got you? What got you to keep yeah. motoring on? Another great question. Um, I did. I didn't want to live anymore. I, I was the pain was so uh, it was so unbearable. I, I if I could have literally unzipped my skin and just flown away, I would have. Mm. In fact, I looked forward to going to bed when I woke up because I just wanted to escape the pain. I'm like anything, just get me out of this. Get me out of here. This here wasn't pretty. And I, I didn't I didn't know what to do when you when you're reliant upon Western medic medical, you know, the Western medical industry and they have no answers. And you can't take anything or do anything. I'm not one to take medications. I don't say, oh, just take something and you know, yeah, I'd rather not take anything. That's that's really what I prefer not to <laughs> not to take anything if I don't have to. But like I said, the pain was so great. I thought they can give me something. Mm -hmm. And they did give me in the in the ER a viscose kind of a, a spray. Viscose it was like a, a numbing agent that he but the the he mean yeah, the ER doctor that was carrying me, he put on um this mask on my face, a clear mask, which had holes in any on my throat, they would they would spray this into my throat to numb it. And of course it wore off. And um it was just very difficult. So yeah, I, so I, mentally, I, mentally, and mentally, you were so depressed. And I mean, it was, a, it was a depressing time. But physically, if you're not eating, then your body is withering, like you said. So there's yeah. no energy there. So where did you get the strength to come through this? It was physical, emotional, and mental. Physical, obviously, because the sores. Emotional, because I was no longer allowed to be my loved ones, my best friend, my parents couldn't I was like done you know you can't you can't see anybody uh and mentally because doctors couldn't help me and I didn't know how to help myself so it was like a trifecta of an attack more than just what I was going through on on having a, an illness like this where did I get the strength you know I didn't really know that I had the strength and when when whatever you people out here listening believe there is I very much believe a higher power whether you think God source universe whatever you want to call it um, there is something much greater out there and uh, when you are brought to something and through something so devastating and so painful there's also a greater reason and I didn't know it at the time because I wasn't spiritual but the greater reason isn't about me and it's not what I went through but it's that was the the vehicle that was used was the illness. The vessel is me. And that's to give me back my voice to serve others in a greater way with a stronger voice to show them, just like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, they always had it within themselves. The strength, the courage, confidence to get through what you were being put through. And I didn't know if I was being punched at the time, like what could I have done so horrible to have such an illness? And when I said earlier that I wanted to escape it and, and go to sleep when I woke up, something else I realized, hindsight's 2020, with or without glasses, uh, is that when you, like I said, when you're brought to something and through something, that purpose, when you're, the, when you're here for something greater than you, 
and you're here to serve with that greater purpose, you find that power from within. What I wanted to say earlier is that I tried to go to bed. I want to go back to bed when I woke up from the pain in the morning when I would wake up. But what also happened is I'd wake up in the middle of the night in severe pain because I must have swallowed at some point during the night. And what that made me realize when I was saying hindsight's 2020 is that when you were brought to something, you are here to understand what that purpose is and you don't understand it at the time. But I wanted to escape the pain and go back to bed when I'd wake up. I want to get out of the pain and go back to sleep. But you have to face things in life that may not be pretty and painful at the same time. They are pretty painful, but you need to face it to understand it. And you won't have an understanding if you are just, you know, you're skating through life. Everything is rainbows and unicorns. Not that I want anybody to go through something as difficult as I did. That was, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want in a worst enemy if I ever had one. But to understand that when you are brought to it and through it, it's to learn that you have something greater within you and to sustain it and to be able to serve others in a way that you never thought you could. But you first have to learn to be that strength for yourself and to have that courage and confidence from within. Because how can you care for others if you can't care for you? And a lot of times it's difficult, and I've heard you talk about this too, but when we're small and you were bullied as a child, right? That, that those things really stick with you. They stay with you. You may not remember them, but they're in your subconscious. They, your body remembers it. And, and I've got friends who were bullied as children and that hurts as adults. I mean, something's going to trigger it. It's going to come back and maybe this was pot what we were talking earlier about, you know, you didn't have your voice at work. Tell us a little bit about when you were a kid, you didn't have your voice with the bullies. I didn't. I didn't. I, I think we always have it like Dorothy, but there's a Roger always have it within you. But I, I didn't have it because I never spoke up. When I was a kid, I was bullied in school. I was pushed in hallways. I was shoved into lockers. I was kicked under the desk. And I didn't understand why. I'm like, what the heck did I do? And I would remember, I was like the girl walking with the books on her chest, walking to my next class, not hurting a fly, just doing what I was supposed to be doing is getting an education. But I got another education, which I never anticipated. And I remember in one of my elective classes, the teacher, it was a, a photography class and she had seen me, I guess, can't come in with a really sad or a hurt look on my face. And she came up to me, she said, what's, what's wrong? What's the matter? And I probably was just pushed around in, in the hallway or something. And I broke down sobbing. And she took me off of the floor. And she said, I'm going to do something. This can't be. You can't. This is, it has to stop. I said, oh, no, you can't say anything. It's just going to make it worse. And I don't know what's going to happen next. If, if we say something and these these girls were, they were bullies and they were hurting me when I didn't do anything. Imagine if I said something about them there, what, what could then happen to me? And she wasn't going to listen to me because she's like, this is just not right. You, what, you didn't do anything. Like she knew me. She's like, you didn't do anything. 
because if I had done something, I would have said, oh yeah, I did whatever I did, but I, I hadn't. I mean, there was no, there was no rhyme or reason for what I had been through. And I believe it eventually stopped. I just, you know, I just uh, didn't want to speak up. And that followed me through my work. If something didn't go right at work, um, yeah, even in sales, when I was in a commission sales area and people would take my sales, I didn't want to make waves. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to speak up. So they would take advantage. I was bullied in other ways. And they were, you know, they, I was being pushed around and bullied. Oh, Renee's a nice one. Oh, we could do whatever. And I'm like, oh my God. But why would you pick on somebody that didn't do anything? Why would you want to hurt somebody that didn't do anything? The answer that I came up with is because they could. Yeah. Hurt people hurt. So hurt people hurt people. Exactly. Yeah. If you could, um, I, I was uh, able to write um, in a book with a friend of mine in, in England. It was called Notes to My Younger Self. Uh, if right. you could write a note to your younger self, what would you say? Uh, don't about that. With, with, with that crap, you stand up for yourself. You you stand up for yourself. Do not let people do that to you. Yes, hurt people, hurt people. I didn't understand then. They were going through their own journey. And they wanted to show that they were strong. So, hey, we could just, we could do that. Watch this. Yeah. And they were there. The tough girl was walking with the puffed up, you know, chest and they, they could do, they could just push people around and get away with it. And that made them feel good. Why they didn't, maybe they were being, maybe they were being abused at home. Yeah, we don't, I, we I, don't I, know. I don't know that. At we this point, know. we're talking like decades ago, decades and decades ago. You know, I, I don't know. But yeah, hurt people hurt people. And they were probably hurt in some other way in their life. Maybe they had, you know, God God forbid, rape or molestation or whatever they had. I don't know why people choose to hurt innocent people. Why that upbringing in their own journey would lead them to pick on somebody. What I will say is I'm grateful for all of my experiences now. Then I would say no. Would you be grateful for being bullied? No. Are you grateful for having an, an illness that you didn't want to live? No. Were you were quarantined from the whole world for four months, not knowing if you'd speak again? At the time, no. At the time, no. But if this is what it took for me to have my voice to empower, inspire, and educate others and to be there for them as a vessel with a voice, and impact lives that need this kind of an impact to show them that they are enough and their voice matters and they need to speak up and to have the courage and the confidence within them that they shouldn't stay in the abusive relationship. They don't need to, they're better than that. And that there's help out there. They don't need to stay within whatever place they're at you know, we all go through things in life. You know, you hear from the, the rags to riches and then people go back to the rags because they've done something where they lost everything. You know, they have the extremes. Wherever you are at in life, whatever's going on in your life, know that you can get through it because I am living proof, proof of that. And I ended up, as you know, Debbie, writing a book 
about not all of these experiences, about different experiences, like a chicken soup for the soul book, where each chapter, there's 11 chapters, a very short book I actually have in here. Can you give us the name of it and where people can get a hold of it? It's called Finding Your Voice, Unlock Your Chains, and Unleash Your Greatness. And I will say, finding, it's, you know, it's the process, right? You're finding your voice. Unlock your chains and unleash your greatness. It's an action. You have to unlock your chains to unleash your greatness. And I believe I was bound up in my own chains. And it's also my own greatness that's been unleashed finally unto the world. And about five weeks ago, I just released the audio version of this. It's not an audible, it's an actual audio that you can download. Um, it's an, yeah, it's it's great. You can do that. And I people used to ask me in the beginning of the audio version of the book, uh, I kind of I kind of say people used to say, who's gonna do your voiceover for your book? And I took I said, Did you read the title? It's called Finding Your Voice, it's gonna be me. Yeah. And in all seriousness, I'm going to say that was one of the biggest blessings because to stand in that soundproof booth and to do my own voice, lend my voice to a book that I wrote that I never knew I was going to have a voice in which to even speak is nothing short of a blessing and a gift that I will forever be grateful for. And that time that you were uh, that you were battling that that disease too was a time to really pause and write. You said that's where you really found the the book within you came from that time when you couldn't speak. So you had that busyness of your life. I call it the b u s y n e s s. The busyness had to pause. Well, I will say this: that didn't come then. That wasn't when it came. So okay. When it came was after I was released from that position in corporate America. Oh, it was probably brewing in there uh, because what happened, and we didn't talk about this. It's probably why why you didn't know. Uh, but after I was released, it was February twenty seventeen. The book I was writing in twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. It's a short book. You can see it's doesn't take that long to write a book like this, but I kept putting it down. I put the manuscript down. I, like, who am I to write a book? I got to get work. What kind of book am I writing? And I had papers all over, notes all over. I'm like, no, I don't have time for this. I got to get a job. And and then I kept getting that knock on the head. There's a friend of ours uh, from back East who's also transitioned. And we were on the phone one day prior to me even starting, but she goes, you should write a book of everything you've been through. I said, uh, she's no you should write a book and I I put that in the book that it was she was the first one that said you you need to write a book and she wasn't getting like oh you should write a book you've been through she actually said you need to and uh and I did so um, shout out to Arlene Eisenberger who's resting in peace I pray and uh she was the first one to to tell me that you really need to do that and other people started calling me from around the people friend from friends from around the world actually that I'm connected with and they said you need to write a book I'm like what is this book thing that keeps people keep telling me I need to write and I did and even though I kept putting it down for so many different times I said this is not going to be about me it's 
going to be for others. Yes, the book, I wrote different chapters about what I went through. But in the book, it is about you. It is about the reader. I have takeaways after each section. Where is it? Yeah. And, and I leave three to four line pages for the reader to write their answer. Not because they have to use it all at once. But you put the, you answer as whatever room you need. And you pick it back up and say, where was I in September 1st, 2022, when I wrote down that answer? Or whenever the book comes to you. Where am I a week from now, a month from now, three months, whenever you pick it up again and you write the next date in there in your journal, use it as a journal. And you can see how far you've actually come from the first answer you wrote. So we don't give ourselves enough credit, especially as women, for where we've come in our journey. Just like you didn't do this, you didn't do that. You're scrolling on social media, you're seeing, look at everybody else doing everything else and you're still here. You know, how would you expect to go anywhere? Look at you. You look at what everybody else is doing. You're still in this business. It's like, wait a minute. Oh my God. I did this. I did this. I did this. And every every chapter has its own set of questions. And it really is to make you think and to be honest. Not for me. I'm not going to see these answers. It's for you. And to keep recording in your journey and your journal that this is part of a journal that you can record this in. And so even though I have the audio, I really recommend getting the book as well as a companion because it's a journal for you to write that down. And yeah, you might want to listen to the audio version because I wanted to make sure I touch people in the three ways they receive information. That's auditory to listen. Now I have that. There's kinesthetic, which is to feel. You have a book, you can feel, you can hold it. It's an easy paperback. And um, visually, you know, you have a Kindle. You can read it. If you get a you download the Kindle version, you can have it on Kindle. So your eyes, your ears, and, and well, we're also them. doing a call and we can yeah. see you. And we can see, yes. You can and hear you. So there's a there's a lot of different ways to connect. And I love connecting with people. In fact, I'm gonna put an offer out there. If anybody wants an autograph, I started doing this thing my mother suggested because she heard me on a on a call one day. She heard my frustration and not being able to, because I was going to do book signings before the pandemic hit, and then I wasn't doing them. And um, I did one for veterans, be pre-pandemic. I, I spoke to a group of beautiful veterans in my area in Southern California, and I did a book signing for them. And then the pandemic hit, and I wasn't able to. So she said, Renee, why don't you have people email you where you are? And what I've done is I have my signature. And I send you, if you're in, if anybody's interested, you've got to let me know though, a, a special message on a Word document with my signature. And then I email it to you. So it's not an email, it's attached to the email in a document. And you print it out and you put that in your book. You now have your autograph special message from me to you with love. There you go. Well, writing, writing is that first step to recovery in anything that happens. And, and in the, for the women that I work with as part of SCARS, which is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, we all say that, that that first step to empowerment is to release the thing that hurts you, let it go. And for me, it was writing my book too, is getting that story out because now it's not you. It's happened, but what can others learn from it? And yes. And that's huge. And the next part is don't blame yourself for what happened and don't allow anyone else to blame you because they have no idea what you've been through. No, exactly. Ever. 
they they don't. And that's that's something that I was touching on earlier when I said scrolling through social media. Nobody knows where people have been. People show, and I do quotes. I do my own quotes. If anybody's listening, follow me on social media. If not, I invite you to and to connect. I do my own quotes every day. And one of the quotes I recently did, just a couple of days ago, in fact, was about the R-E-E-L versus the R-E-A-L. Mm. The reels are not the real. And people post the highlight reel. They're not going to say, look at all these things that are happening and life is hard and blah, blah, blah. You think they're going to say that? They're going to say, look at me. Look at this great. Look at me. Oh, I'm here. I'm there. I'm doing all this great stuff. That's the highlight reel. Where's the R-E-A-L? Where's the R-E-E-L of what your life is like? Do you want to show that? Oh, no. I'm not going to show that. So, and I, I put music to it. I, I just, um, I do every day. I, I post a different quote. So is that, is that on your Facebook page? It's on, well, I have a Facebook group and I post it in there. And I also, I do have a, a personal page as well. I'm not, I haven't been posting it there. I've been posting in the group, but I also post on Instagram and I post it on Twitter. What's the group called on Facebook? Do you happen? Yes. It's it's also on my link tree. All my all my links to everything, the audio book, the book book, um, connecting to a complimentary call with me for 30 minutes is also there. Like my link tree is all these, all the great links. Give us there. give us the URL for the link tree. Link tree is just the HTTPS, you know, colon forward slash forward slash L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Renee Reich. It's R-E-N-E-E-R-E-I-S-C-H. So it's again, H-T-T-P-S colon forward slash forward slash L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. Then one forward slash. Um, and then it's my name, R-E-N-E-R-E-I-S-C-H. And when you click on the link, and that's on my Instagram too. It's in, you know, in the in the bio on Instagram. You just click on the link tree. And um, and and Instagram is at Reich Renee. At Reich Renee. Okay, we'll post all that. That'll be on the replay. Yeah, and um, then you just click on that. You can see the group. You can get um, a complimentary call with me for 30 minutes. Uh, and um, I also have a 10-step complimentary download, 10 steps to finding your voice, which is an ebook I have up there. Uh, then my Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. So you're uh, out there. So for a woman that could not speak for a while, you're making up for it. And uh, yeah, I, I do. Because this is my way to give back and let others know that they can get through it too. That's why I offer a complimentary call for those you know, that are out there that feel they need this support. And you may not feel, I don't want to say the word need because they oh, I don't want to need anything. Nobody wants to feel like they need something. It's that where you can you can use some extra support in your life. And my tag, like you said, you were reading, it's to help those suffocating in silence to express their true voice with confidence. To be able to do that, that's what I'm here to help people with. And, you know, also I'd love to get this book into schools and universities, women's groups, women's shelters. I mean, there's so many people this could help because I know the students, there's a lot of suicide out there. Not because they were the students, but especially they've been quarantined the pandemic for so long to help them in finding their voice, especially the takeaway sections to express themselves. Cause I'm part of a platform called OWL and my friend is CEO of that. And 
if anybody that's also on my my link tree is Al. I'm a, I'm connected there too. And I also do um, you know, I also connect with people on, on that platform. And that I had students call me and they really they were reaching out because we were he was doing something with Florida Atlantic University. And I many students call me and ask me for support and helping them how Renee, how do you get motivated? How do you, you know, how do you find that courage and confidence? They were really, it was there to me, it was a wake up call to how we can serve and support students. I'd love to, as I said, to get this into schools and universities. I was a psychology major. This would have helped me so much, you know, in, in my own journey, but I hadn't lived my part of the journey yet that we needed to be the author of this book. So I, I highly encourage you to, to get this. It is something that you, it's an evergreen tool to put into your toolbox, the book, Finding Your Voice unlock your chains and unleash your greatness and uh for people listening that have kids if they would like to reach out and, and get a hold of me to get this yeah if you're working in the education system it would be so great in college yeah. we would love to fa fau is right down the street from me not too far uh, uh, there you go. it's interesting but i heard you talk to on one of the podcasts i listened to you're talking about how each of us needs to have a coach or a mentor because we can't see, I think you put it, you can't see the picture. Oh, you can't frame. see, right. You can't see inside the picture from outside the frame, right? If you, you're in the picture, in the middle of the picture, you're in the, in the frame. We can't see the big picture for ourselves. You can't. Can we? Ever. Can we? And no. why not? And looks like you can't see the forest from the trees. You can't see all, all these sayings are true. You can't see it because you're in it and having a mentor, having a coach. You know, there's so many coaches out there. Who do you know is the right one? How do you know what you pick? Not everybody is for everybody. There's, that's why there's different coaches. My main thing is to help those that, who feel like they are suffocating in silence to express their true voice with confidence. I come from the corporate world. If you're, you know, that, that person that feels like I need that support, I, you know, I've got this position and yet I don't really feel like I have the confidence, even though I'm the CEO of the company, I don't feel, and that there's no shame in any of that, because guess what? I was a manager in a corporate 500 company. I didn't speak up as I should have, you know, because we're in this leading position. We're like, oh my God, I have to have it all together. I'm, I'm a mom. I'm on this, I'm on that. Those are labels. Those are roles you play, but who are you intrinsically? And what is holding you back and stopping you from really living your most authentic life? and speaking up for yourself. Well, it's too late. I'm already this old. I can't go back now. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, you can. And where my, my mom, God, well, my mom, God bless her. She's still with me. And I'm, I'm so grateful. She said, Renee, where there's life, there's hope. And I will never forget that because there is hope. You have life and you have a life, which you are here to live, not just to merely exist. And we're going to live long lives. I mean, my mom and dad are 88 and 93. And I plan on, you know, I'm only two thirds through. So there's a lot, there's a lot of life to live. And it, regardless of, you know, the missteps we've taken in the past, and we, everybody has, they're not mistakes, they are missteps. Uh, what did we learn from them? And what can we do going forward? You came, you have a blueprint called, it's yes. called the voice blueprint. Yes. I do. Thank you so much. Tell me much. a little bit about that. How do we find yeah. out more about that? Thank you. Uh, so I created this based on my own experience. And it takes 
the people I work with from the journey along that journey from vulnerability to empowerment. So each letter is an acronym for the process and in trusting that process, going from vulnerability to empowerment, I created the voice blueprint, which takes them along that journey and I'm there with them. And we can find that on your, on your website. <laughs> here, here, making her talk so much, she's losing her voice. Um, no, not it's, it, no. it's really important though, that, that being vulnerable and, and speaking up about something that's happened, it's, it's not weak. It's actually very strong, I think, to be able to speak about something that in, in your heart of hearts was one of the worst times of your life. Yeah, absolutely. It is about speaking up and and not speaking up, like just to speak out and say, you know. There's a difference. There's a difference. You want to be here. People want to be seen, heard, and felt. And I, in what I'm doing, this is how I help you in being seen, heard, and felt. And it's what people feel about what you've said. You connect from the heart. We don't want to hear the blabber that everybody's got a five minutes because of their phone. They want their five minutes of fame. We don't want to hear the blabber that's out there. We want to hear and feel the heart. It is. It is. I do. I do come from that space because I know from where I speak now, I didn't then because I didn't have that courage or that confidence I also hold workshops I'm holding there's five more I did one last Friday it was on confidence and courage and it was very it was really empowering and um there's five more left so every three weeks through the remainder of the year I'm holding another workshop so I have that as well so please reach out if you are interested in any of these things the voice blueprint if you'd like to have that support with that and find out more about how we can work together let me know that the book, the audio is on the link tree. Um, to have a 30 minute consultation with me is on the link tree, my group, my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, everything is, is there. So please reach out. There's a reason we connected, Debbie, and there is a reason I have a voice today. And it's, as I said, the three words I always used are, are impact, inspire, and empower. It's through that impact we get to inspire so we can empower those around us needing to find their own voice. And it's important and it can be a quiet, still small voice. You know, we don't need the voice of thunder as my late husband used to say to the kids. It's either, you know, the still small voice or the voice of thunder. And uh, sometimes the voice of thunder, you know, can knock you flat and you're in the hospital or, you know, isolated for four months, but it's the still one. And it's listening to your spirit. It's listening to how you feel. Um, and that you can find the courage from that. And, and I know from the first time I spoke up about what happened to me with the relationship scam 10 years ago to today, when I start talking about it to today, it just power wells from the inside out. Oh yeah. And that is important. And that's what we learn from opening up and speaking up with confidence. So true. That's so true. What I also want to say is that which I haven't said yet, it was in losing my voice that was the beginning of finding my voice. So you can't stay in the past. Don't live in the past. Use it as a tool. Use it to help you. And this is why I'm here speaking with you today. Call me, reach out to me, connect. 
And this is how we can, you know, find out how we can work together. If it's anything I've said resonates with you or a friend of yours, you may, it may not be for you. Maybe this doesn't resonate, but you're like, oh my God, I got I, I to tell my friend about her. I got to let her know. Right. She needs to call her. She needs to get in touch with her. So um, yeah, my contact, everything is in the, in the book also. And I gave you the link to you too. Everything is here. Um, so yeah, I just reach out. It, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. And we, I know that's a cliche, but it's really true. We don't know what this journey will entail as we go through and as we evolve, because life is always evolving and things don't happen to us. They do happen for us. I believe that a lot of people don't, but I, I do. And yeah, uh, I, would never, I would never have said this years ago. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. This is like where I don't want to live. That's happening for me. Tell me what part of this is happening for me because I don't understand it. And I didn't understand it. And I would, I would totally disagree with you a million percent that it's not happening for me because this is the most pain that I've, I've ever felt and I don't even want to be here anymore. So I would definitely disagree at the time. As I said, in hindsight, there was definitely a reason. And I also believe that it was so intense because the work I'm here to do is that great. It's that big to serve and support those who have gone through or going through something in this kind of a situation where they feel not that you have to physically have lost your voice. I'm not saying that, but where you metaphorically may right now be feeling like you don't have a voice. It doesn't matter what you say. Every It's always about other people and you're not taking care of you anymore. It's everybody but you. That is losing your voice too. Yeah, not just and, in the way I do. And you're feeling alone, and we're not oh, here alone and isolated, especially during the pandemic. Even though I know things are opening back up and people are getting out there again, you know, it's still what took place in the last two plus years that you know that people are still feeling that this way. I work with people all around the world. I don't care where you're listening from. I mean, we've got Zoom. You know, I got there, there's the there's the this lovely thing called technology which we get to use. So I work with people all over the world and I encourage and invite you to reach out to me because that's what this is about. It's about sharing our voices together. And Debbie, I want to give a, just a shout out to you for allowing me this platform, your platform for us to share our voices, to help those listening, to connect with us. And so this is, a hard, it was worth every minute of getting up in the middle of the night <laughs> had to be here. It really was, it really was. And I was excited to do it. And, and I know you and I felt, I'm like, Debbie, do you feel this thing here? It's like, I don't care where you're located. I feel like this, like I've known you. Like, we were just talking like yesterday. I said, cause I wanted, we wanted to talk before we came on. And I felt like, God, I, I know you. Like it was so easy. It wasn't like, I don't know. It's like we had met, right? Right. And there are so many people out there that are like, like us and, and want to connect and, and should have connected over time and technology is allowing it. And it is amazing. I've met some incredible people the last few years that I've done the show and I've learned more from them each and every week. I've just grown because everybody has their problems. And honestly, yeah. I look, I look at things that happen to other people and say, Oh, thank goodness for my problem. Right, right. Yours, right, right. perspective is right. As much as it's like this is really big, like you, it pales in comparison. Like, oh my god, they went through that, and and yeah, no matter what it is, and you're not looking for anybody to go through something bigger, so you can. Make no, not at all, not at all. 
But it gives you such empathy. It's empathy. It gives you empathy. That's what it, that's what exactly. I want to make sure we're being clear. Like, oh, so we read it. No, it's not one-upsman. It's empathy. No, 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 no. I want to be really clear on that. It's definitely not that. It is, yeah, it's about, and I always say it's not about, no competition. It's collaboration. I love collaborating with people because this is where your heart comes out. And I lead from my heart because I now, not that I didn't have one before, I always had one. It was so much, there was the people pleasing. It was so too, it was in the wrong direction rather than the inward. Like I say, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. Everybody looking for the outside, the tin man looking for the heart. He had the biggest heart there. She had to keep oiling him with the oil can because he was crying so much. And then the scarecrow looking for the brain and he was the smartest one there. Then the cowardly lion looking for the courage. Yet he had the most courage because he jumped in front of the wicked witch to protect all of those characters. And then even Dorothy looking to get the ruby red slippers to click her heel three times to say there's no place like home and she'd be back in Kansas. And they were all going to the land of Oz to find their way back. Yet they, each and every one of them had it within them to go back to themselves. So in this journey of the voice blueprint and what I've created, I walk yourself back to you, coming back home to who you are. That's perfect. And so with that, we're going to our show. I knew our hour would fly by, my friend. Thank you so very much for your time. And folks, look her up. She's up on social media. You can't miss her, Renee Reich. And I appreciate you for being here. Thank you for finding your voice. Thank you for sharing it with my audience and with me. I really appreciate it. And I know we'll do things going forward. Absolutely. Thank you so much. My pleasure, dear. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.